Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I want to read one verse of Scripture to you. I'm going to read it in the King James Version tonight, and we're going to talk about it probably in a couple of different versions. This may be one of the most familiar verses of Scripture that you know. This may be a verse of Scripture that you've heard a lot, or maybe not. But it's Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7, he's giving his longest sermon on the earth. Uh, there, it's called the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Mountain, and it was the longest preaching that Jesus did when he was alive. And we come to a, a high point in chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Pray with me, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for good testimony in your house tonight, God. Lord, we pray for our young people in the two buildings beside us, God, that you would bless them tonight and encourage their faith. God, I pray you'd speak to us tonight and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. When we get to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's an incredible passage. It's, it's all read, if you've got a red-letter Bible, that's, that take the words that Jesus spoke in his earthly ministry um, and turn them into red. There's a lot of red in these three chapters because it's a lot of recording of what Jesus actually said, which is cool, but if I was going to ever make a red-letter edition of the Bible, I'd make all the words red. You don't follow. Because the words that are in red in the Bible are no more spoken by Jesus than the words that are in black. Because the Scripture says of itself that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word inspired in the original language means God breathed it out. It came out of his mouth. And so it's all the words out of God's mouth. Jesus only spoke the words that the Father gave him to speak, and the writers of this book only wrote the words that the Father gave them to write. So all these words are of the same relevance. They're of the same uh, accuracy, and they're of the same importance. But I do love that God has recorded for us the words that Jesus said while he was living on this planet and speaking to his followers and He's been dealing with all different types of life. Now, the Sermon on the Mountain is not a discourse on how to find God. It's a discourse on how to live after finding God. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a sermon on how to live to get saved. It's a sermon on how to live because you're saved. And he's talking to Christians here, and hopefully you view yourself in that light. Hopefully you view yourself as a Christian. If you don't view yourself as a Christian... Uh, that can be really good news because some people are lost and don't know they're lost. If you're lost and you know you're lost, you're in good shape because only the, the only person in a swimming pool uh, other than crazy people that ever cry out for the lifeguard is the person who believes they're drowning. And so you're closest to being saved once you know you're drowning. And the person who knows they're lost is really closest to being saved. And if you know you're lost, then just cry out to God because the Bible says anyone who calls on him that he will save. But this passage is talking to Christians, and he's talking about daily living. And I want us in 2017 to focus on daily living. A lot of things that are talked about in church go over people's head. A lot of things that are talked about in church are churchy. 
religious, sometimes seem like they don't necessarily apply to certain situations, depending on how you look at those things. But I want us in 2017 to really get God in our day-to-day activity. Get God in our waking up. How? By saying good morning and acknowledging his presence first thing in the day. The Bible says that if you acknowledge him in all your ways, then he will direct your path. If you don't start your day off with God, you shouldn't be surprised if you end up going in some wrong direction. So I want us in 2017 to really focus not just on this one verse of Scripture, but on the concept of this verse of Scripture, putting God first in everything. Easy easy verse to understand. I've preached it a hundred times at least. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Well, the things that he's talking about, he's just elaborated on in the previous verses. The, the things that we all worry about, how are we going to get the bills paid? Where's rent going to come from? How are we going to buy food? How, how, how are we going to exist? How are we going to keep shelter over our head? How, how are we going to provide for the people we care about? These are the things that he's talking about. If you read the verses prior to verse 33, food, clothing, shelter, basic necessities. And the Bible tells us that if we have food and clothing, that we should be content. The Bible says if you have food and clothing, you should be there with content with all. And if you have food in your stomach and clothes on your body, the Bible says you ought to be straight. Now, if you're walking around hungry and butt naked, you got problems, right? Let's be honest. But if you're walking around hungry and butt naked, we have food and clothing, so nobody needs to, needs to be discontent. Nobody needs to be without because we have, see, but we live in a country where people get upset if they don't live in the house they want to live in. And it doesn't matter what house you live in. It it doesn't matter. If you live in a one-bedroom apartment, you're jealous of the two-bedroom apartment, or you can be. If you got a nice two-bedroom condo, you wish it had a water view and it's only got a pool view. Or if if you got a single wide, you could be jealous of the double wide. If you got a double wide, you could be jealous of the triple wide. If if you got a starter home, you could be jealous of the custom home. If you got a custom home, you could be jealous of the mansion. If you got a mansion, you could be jealous of the bigger mansion. It never stops for the ability to be discontent. But it never prevents you from being content if you have your mind right. 2017, four days in. I don't know how you're doing. I I want to uh, see you succeed in 2017. I want to see you prosper. I want to see you prosper physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. I want to see you live out our theme, which is getting serious about getting healthy in 2017 in all these areas of our life. Getting serious about it. I know if you get serious about it, then things are going to change. People can talk about losing weight, but until they get serious about it, it's not going to happen. People can talk about quitting a certain habit, but until they get serious about it, it's not going to happen. The Bible says that the talking of the lips tendeth only to penury, which that probably doesn't make, it, make a lot of sense to most people. But uh, just talking about it only brings poverty, but hard work brings results. And it's not about talking about it. If you have ever shared your faith with people, if you've tried to share your faith with people in your family, in the street, in the workplace, in the community, you will find out everybody knows about God. And everybody can talk to you about their theory about God, and everybody can throw some Bible at you. But it's not just about what we talk about, it's what we live about. And it's what we really embrace on a day-to-day basis in our hearts. See, we have the opportunity to start the day with God or start the day without God. 
We have the opportunity to keep God involved in our day-to-day process. We have an opportunity when we pull up in this parking lot to thank God that we didn't get in a wreck on 103rd Street or Firestone or Blanding or wherever you came from. We have an opportunity to thank God that our vehicle didn't break down, that we didn't get a flat tire. I was traveling over uh, Christmas with my boys, and we were uh, downtown New Orleans. And listen, if you've ever tried to find a place to park in downtown New Orleans, that is just a train wreck. We rode around looking for a place to park, looking for And listen, I don't care how good a driver you are, you are not parking a stretched-out Lincoln Navigator L parallel parked in a, in a major city like New Orleans. It, they don't leave enough space. I don't care how good a parallel parker you are. And they, don't even, they don't even make the magic do it. They got that magic button now. You buy one of these little tiny sedans that a three-year-old could parallel park, or you just pull up, push a button and it parks itself. I'm like, make that for a Navigator L. That's what I want to see you do. Stretch that out for, a, for a, an Escalade ESV. Let it park itself magically. I don't think they want to try that. But we looked for a long time and finally found half of a space to park in. It was challenging, and some of y'all know, there is a cheat to parallel parking. When they're in too tight, if you just dive in straight across the front of the car and drive up on the curb, you got a better chance of pulling back in than doing all this thing here right like that. Especially, you ain't never done that, Jimmy? Yeah, hey, that'll hook you. Just boom. Yeah, well, you were you driving a Navigator L? But it wasn't an SUV L. All right, let's keep going. So... When I, went to, when I went to cheat up on this curb, I heard my 24-inch rims scratching and screaming on this curb. Now, when, one thing about these giant tires, they only have this much tread below the rim, which is not a good setup. So I told my boys, well, we're probably going to be parked here for a while because I think I just blew out that front right tire. And I get out. And, there's, and you can see it to this day. If you go from the passenger side tire and you look on the sidewall, there's a flap of rubber that was chunked out of my tire. And you really don't want sidewall damage on a tire. You know what I'm saying? Because they can't fix that. You don't plug sidewall damage. You just get a new tire. Or you just trust God. And so I, I, it was aired up, and I'm like, well, praise the Lord. The rim's a little scratch, but the little chunk of – and the flap's still there. It didn't – it just – pulled it open and shut it back, uh, and it's still that way now. So I'm thanking God every day I look at that tire, and I still got air in it. It's probably going to blow out at some point, maybe. I don't know. Uh, sidewall damage is not good on, on a 14-inch tire, much less a 24-inch tire. But when's the last time you thank God for getting to your destination without a flat tire? If we really could be honest about the things that we thank God for this week versus the things that we've complained about this week, I had so many people, and listen, I am not hating on anybody's tradition. And I've told my kids repeatedly, y'all are probably going to be upset with me because I've never bought my kids Christmas presents. Well, no, a couple of years when they were really small uh, is when I started doing this uh, about 11, 12 years ago. And in the last 12 years, Seth's never opened a Christmas present um, that I can remember. And I told him, y'all probably going to talk bad about me when y'all get grown. My, my dad hated us. He didn't provide us with any Christmas. I never got to open Christmas present. We never had a Christmas tree. Um, and they're like, no, Dad, 
we, 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 believe, we believe Christmas should be about Jesus. And I'm thinking, you believe Christmas should be about that new PlayStation you've been asking me for. I know your scheme, son. But I hear people, and I'm not bashing anybody's tradition, but try to hear me beyond your own pain. I hear people talking about how bad it is because they didn't have a good Christmas or they weren't able to provide a good Christmas for their family. Listen, we got this thing all wrong. If you put a roof over their head and food in their belly, you've provided for them. And it's not the toys that they will ever remember. It, it isn't. I promise you that. That's why if, if you ever really notice it, they play with the box more than they play with the toy. Go to the neighbor's house and get the box off the curb and throw it at them and say, there you go. But it's, we get so caught up in what we don't have that we miss out on what we do have. And, and I, I want to turn that on its head in 2017. I want to reverse that in 2017. In my life, in your life, and in the life of the people that come to this church, I want us to be more thankful than complaining. I want us to recognize more of the good things that we have than the bad things or the things that we don't have that we wish we had. Because the Bible has made it very clear. Having food and clothing, you should be thankful. And if you don't have food and clothing, we got it for you. So we need to move into 2017 with a positive attitude. I thank God for the wonderful testimonies tonight. Uh, about people uh, rejoicing in their walk with Christ, and that's where I want us all to be. Honestly, we're not all there. I get that. Um, life is cyclical. There's ups and downs. There's good weeks and bad weeks. Um, sometimes it's, it's like the girl said on whatever movie that was. Uh, I think it was Fried Green Tomatoes or Steel Magnolias or one of them chick movies. Um, the, the, the lady told her friend, you're depressed. She said, I'm not depressed. I've just been in a really bad mood for the last 20 years. And, or, or, for some of you, you know, uh, of course, I don't know how many younger people we got in here. Now, we got a couple younger people, younger than me, praise the Lord, uh, that my kids love the TV show Friends. Um, you don't need to email me about it. I, I, I got my own issues with it. But um, they have a song that's, that says something about if it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. And the song is, I'll be there for you. Even if it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. Well, uh, I don't know how many friends are going to be there for you when you're having a bad week or a bad month or a bad year, but I know God will be there for you. And I'm glad that God is there for me whether I'm having a bad day, week, month, or even a bad year because I understand that life is cyclical. Now, I'm not one of those fake it till you make it guys, and I'm not one of those uh, just confess good things and, you know, the universe will open up to you. That's New Age mysticism. That's, that's Eastern uh, psycho-religion. That's stuff that the celebrities and, and the Illuminati practice. Ask the universe for what you want, and it will open itself to you. That's not Christianity. We're not asking the universe for anything. We're not asking the universe to smile on us, and we're not putting out goodness so the universe will give us back goodness. But I can promise if we get our priorities right, good things are going to happen. And I don't want you to get too much further in 2017 without getting serious about prioritizing your life. Look, look at, look at what, put that verse in the New Living for me, Corey. Uh, same Matthew six thirty three. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I don't even think that needs a lot of preaching. I, I think our, our, our preschoolers, I think our, our children's church kids could understand that, but let's look at it for a minute. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, comma. So that's a cause for pause. I tell you all the time, read between the punctuation, pay attention to the punctuation, take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. 
This is the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, who we say that we love and we honor. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Well, I'm not going to put you on task tonight and ask you what it is that we seek because no matter what you would say, it is that people seek above God. It's always about self-satisfaction. The things that we seek, whether it's money or fame or fortune or relationships, we seek those things because we think they'll make us happy. Whatever it is, you would say, if I said, what do you think you have ever sought above God or anybody else has ever put above God? What is it that we really seek when we're not seeking God? What You could say money, you could say education. Whatever, whatever. All those things are the same in essence because it's all about that you think that thing would make you happy. You think if you had that money, it would make you happy. You think if you had that person in your life, it would make you happy. You think if you had those bills no longer, it would make you But the reality is God's word is truth. And if we want what he has for us, we've got to do what he tells us to do. And he tells us plainly to seek the kingdom of God above all else. That's above people. It's above everything. That's above your own personal satisfaction. That, that's above every idea that you have, your agenda, your goals. Seek God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. If you could believe the last phrase in this verse... It might motivate you to do the first phrase in this verse. But if you won't believe the last phrase in this verse, you probably won't do the first phrase in this verse. If you won't believe that God will give you everything that you need, you probably won't put him first long enough for it to become a lifestyle for you. Because here's the deal. Putting God first six days a week is not putting God first. Okay? I've been picking on the West for a long time, so I'll pick on them. If Dig and Henry... Put your marriage first and put you as the first woman in his life first six days out of the week. But once every one day a week, he went off and did something other than putting you first and put another woman first. Is he putting you first? Does it help that he puts you first most of the time? Does it help that he puts you first six to one? No, because that's not putting her. Yeah, that's, a, that's straight out Puerto Rican. Be careful. But. That's not put, if he put Nixa first 364 days out of the year, but put another woman over her the one day out of that year, he has destroyed everything in that relationship. He has destroyed that covenant. He has lied to her, and he has not put her first. See, we get in our mind, well, I put God first most of the time. What kind? The Bible likens our relationship to God to a marriage. Where he's the groom and we're the bride. We're the bride of Christ. He, he's our husband. He, he, we, we, are, we are betrothed to each other. We are awaiting a marriage supper of the Lamb. We are going to be united to him in glory forever. And could, can't you just imagine? You, you're all engaged up and you got, y'all been getting ready for your, for your marriage. And, and all of a sudden you find out, well, uh, you know, she was faithful to me 200 days in a row. But then she cheated on me, you know, uh, last weekend. Them 200 days is out the window. But we have it in our mind, well, if I pray more days of the week than I don't, then at least I'm giving God something. Or if I read my Bible five days out of seven, then I'm doing good. First is first. And if it's not first, it's not first. Seek God above all else. It's, it's either God above all else or it's not. In life, and I've told you all this before because it's so shocking to me, the grade standards 
uh, here because I, I went to school in Jacksonville. I grew up on the west side of Jacksonville. And um, the grade system was different then, even in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville's never been known for having good schools and still don't have good schools. Uh, not all of them. Some of them are decent. Um, I'm thrilled, you know, when we were working with W. Cherry, I'm thrilled to see what W. Cherry's. I know you're thrilled to be over at W. Cherry. They, I think they're doing great, but uh, as a whole, Jacksonville's not known for having great schools. But now, you know, 90 to 100 gets you an A. When, when I was in school, 93 got you a B. You had to have 94 to get an A. 87 gets you a high B uh, in today's grading system. 87 got you a C. When I was in school, you 88 to, 90, to 93 was a B. And 69, high D in today's world, that was an F. Well, actually, for us, it was an E. We got E's in Duval County. We didn't get anybody get E's other than me. Yeah, we got E's. They, 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 we didn't get F's in Duval County. They, that's a new thing for Duval. But so we've got a condition in our mind. Man, 90, that, that's not just passing. That's an A. 95 is booming. Well, that's even old school. Hey, listen, 99% of putting God first is not putting God first. I, I, I've used this one for y'all before too, but I'm trying to get you to understand. That is supposedly some kind of different water than tap water. Now, depending on who you read behind, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, okay? But it's basically clean water. It's 16.9 ounces of basically clean water. If you put 15.9 ounces of clean water in this and one ounce of septic sewage in this, right, you don't want to drink it. But it's mostly clean. It's really almost all clean. If you put one eardropper drop of poop in that, diarrhea septic sewage, that's in case you didn't know what septic sewage was to start with, one eardropper drop in that of diarrhea. You don't want to drink it. But it's, 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 it's 99.999% pure water. You don't care because it's contaminated. And we got to get in our mind that 90% might be good enough for Duval County. But it's not what God's looking for. 97%, if your kids made 97 on every class they have, you'd be ecstatic. I'd be ecstatic. I don't know about you. Um, but God doesn't want us at 97%. He wants us at 100%. You say, well, Pastor, I just can't. I'm not there. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not as close to God as I should be. Listen, you don't have to know anything about the Bible to be there. Because, listen, there is not living perfect. There is quickly repenting. There is not ever, there doesn't mean you never mess up. There means that you don't stay messed up. That's the big difference between Israel's first king and second king. Israel's first king was Saul, and his name means natural ability. And he was head and shoulders bigger than everybody else. He was stronger than everybody else. He was better looking than everybody else. And the people loved him. And he did some good things, and he did some bad things. David comes along, the second king. David is a great warrior, a great worshiper. He becomes a king. He does some good things, and he does some bad things. I would propose that David actually did more heinous, sinful acts against God than Saul did, if you study his life. 
I mean, this is a guy that had at least eight wives, cheated on all of them. I mean, raised his children to have insects and incest together and murder each other. I mean, this, this is a guy who, we, if we looked at today, nobody would say, that's the guy we want to pastor our church. Uh, but they both did some good things, and they both did some bad things. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, but God had to rip the kingdom away from Saul and reject Saul. The Bible says that, that David pleased God, but that God rejected Saul because Saul displeased God. Well, they both did wrong. The difference wasn't in how good they lived. The difference wasn't in which one lived more perfectly. The difference was in which one was willing to turn to God when they messed up. And I've told you before that Saul was stiff-necked, but David was rubber-necked. Saul was stiff-necked. When he got caught doing wrong, he just bowed up and said, I'm the king. Just what I did. I did it, and that's how I did it. Deal with it. When David got caught doing wrong, he spun around back to God every time. Didn't always do it right away, but he did it way better than Saul did it. So here's your option, because we we could talk about this verse all night. But there's going to be a time sometime this week, today, this year, that you will not actually be putting God first. You will fail a test sometime this year. I'm not negatively prophesying, oh, pastor, don't say that. I rebuke that. You can go through all that religious mumbo-jumbo voodoo that you want to. The reality is we are but flesh. The reality is the Bible says, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit a treasure that's inside of us. And it says we have this treasure in an earthly vessel that is cracked and broken and deficient. And you're going to prove your deficiency at some point in 2017. If you haven't done it in the first four days, you will do it in the last 361 days. I promise you that. And I'm not telling you that you'll be able to perfectly live this verse out. You won't be able to keep God first all the time. But the choice is going to happen. The the difference is going to happen when you mess up. Are you going to stiffen your neck and say, I'm me. Other people got problems. It's just how I am. Or are you going to humbly turn back to God and repent and ask God to forgive you? Because nobody but Jesus can live a perfect life. The purpose of God, the plan plan of God, God is not sitting on heaven depressed because no Christians are living perfectly. He considers our frame and he knows we're but dust. He loves us and he's slow to anger, quick to forgive and ready to pardon. His mercies are new every day and he forgives all who ask him. So we got to learn how to keep short, short accounts with God. That's why I say don't wait till the end of the day to ask God to forgive you. You mess up, ask God right then to forgive you. Stay close to God. Keep him above all else. You drop down, you ask back up. You drop down, you ask back up. You do something you, you, God convicts you of, you, you repent of it and ask God to help you not do it again. Well, what if you do it again? You repent of it again and ask God to help you not do it again. Well, what if you do it again? You repent of it till you, and ask God to help you not do it again. God knows whether or not you're sincere. Now, I've had to get on to my kids in life about some repetitive behavior that I want to see get better that hasn't fully gotten better in them. And sometimes they try to come at me with this, but it's better than it used to be. And I, tell, I don't want to hear that. That's buying you no grace with me. Wrong is wrong. Stop doing it. And I know when my own children are trying to do better. I know when their repentance is real and when it's fake. I know when their apologies 
are sincere and when they're just trying to get over because I'm a dad. Our Heavenly Father knows when our repentance is real and when it's fake. He knows when our apologies are sincere and when we're just trying to get over. Now, if you really love him, you need to get sincere with him. And if you really want his blessing on your life, you you need to, to deal with your issues so that you really can put him first, live right, and the byproduct is this. He'll give you everything you need. Now, I think that we've covered this enough for most of us to understand why God wants to give you everything you need, why God wants to bless you, why God wants to provide for you, why God wants you to be okay. He does all those things for self-glorification. I had a professor one time present this premise and ask for arguments because in graduate school, that's what you do a lot of. You just do a lot of back and forth discussing and writing papers. And and in, in my master's uh program at Liberty, that's all it was, was writing papers and having other people write papers, and, I, and you had to come on top of their papers and tell them where they were wrong. And you had to dissect their paper for what they said that was right and what they said that was wrong. And the one premise that he presented that he wanted argument from was God is conceited and a glory hog. And Alyssa's like, that just sounds bad. That doesn't sound complimentary. God is conceited. Is he? Amen. Nixon says, yes, God is absolutely conceited. Well, well, on a basic definition of conceit is to believe that you're all that. You think God believes he's all that? I mean, Muhammad Ali was conceited and right. Deion Sanders was conceited and right. Ray Lewis was conceited and right. When it it comes to getting with women, Bill Clinton is conceited (laughs) and right. I mean, you know, some people say if, if you can back it up, it ain't bragging. God is a glory hog. Well, that sounds so negative. But there's nobody who wants more glory than God. But it's not a negative for God to desire self-glorification because he's the only one who's worthy of it. See, if we're conceited, we're delusional because we got faults and flaws. God has none. So for God to think he's perfect and absolutely incredible, it's just him being honest. For God to desire all glory... It's not him asking for something he doesn't deserve. It's just asking him, it's just him asking for what is due him. The reason why God wants to give you everything you need is not because you're great. He wants to bless you so you'll go tell somebody, my father in heaven is awesome. Look what God is doing for me. Now, I don't know that you really try to explain that real quick to your kids or to your co-workers or your family. I serve a conceited glory hog. My God is the most conceited God, and my God is, is desirous of... Now, if you said my God desires more glory than all the other gods combined, I don't think that nobody could take that wrong. But, you know, you got to be careful with your words. And the professor was just saying that to try to expand our mind because we all start with that Alyssa look. And then we're like, okay, I, I get you. I get you. He is. 
He is. He said, I will glorify my name in all the earth. One of the major purposes of God in life is to glorify his name in all the earth. More than anything. God is determined to be exalted. He wants us to do those two things. He wants us to put him first and live right. So that by his giving us what we need, we will exalt him. Here's another one. You, you want to go with these, with these uh, premises. You want, you want to go with these arguments. Um, is God using you? Does God use the people that love him? It's, a, <laughs> it's, about, how, it's about how you take it. Now, if, if Deegan Henry said, she's just using me. Now, we don't feel that. We don't feel good about that at all. But if Stacy Ramos said, I just want to give God praise, he's, he's really been using me this week. We like that. We want God to use us for his glory. We want God to use us. We want God to use us more than the next person. We'd rather God use us than use somebody else. Because we want to be the one to make him proud. We want to be the one to exalt him. We want to be the one to accomplish his purpose through us. So there you have it. You came to church, midweek Bible study. You found out God's a glory hog and he just wants to use you. Do you want him to use you? See, here's the thing about real love. Now, I know there are people in this room that have people that they love. Now, one of the things that I can say about all of our deacons, all of our deacons were established as deacons because they were deaconing before we asked them. The word deacon comes from an original word, diakonos, which means one who serves or waits on the needs of others. And all the families that serve as deacons in our church were already doing that before we asked. Not only were they already doing it, but watch this. They would rather they be the one to be asked to do it than somebody else. You don't, you don't understand what I'm saying? If, if I had a flat tire right now, if I went out there and found my tire was flat, and I changed it myself, and Deacon Jimmy called me tomorrow and just to check up and see how things were going, and he found out that I stayed up here and made my boys help me change the tire, he'd be upset that I didn't let him. Am, am I reaching too far or am I right? See, the person that really loves the other wants to be the one that does it for them. When, when, when somebody's making uh, something good happen for Deacon Scott, Dina wants to be the one doing it. So all the rest of y'all ladies can back up. <laughs> Am I right? You want to be the one that pleases the one that you care about. Now, we say we care about God. Why don't we let him use us to be the one that pleases him? Stop putting it off on everybody else. See, I love the song that says, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And I'm, I'm very aware of, of that time in my life that I go to constantly. But I also want it to be, it's me, Lord, that's here to do whatever you ask of me. If you look at the proper response people had to God's need, 
of someone to do something in Scripture, here's, here's the phrase from the King James Version. Here am I. Send me. The Bible says God's eyes run to and fro throughout the entire earth searching for one person who would be totally loyal to him. One person who would be dedicated and loyal on his behalf so that he could show himself strong in that person. But see, if I needed one person to do something for me, there'd be several people in the room like, I'll do it. Let me stay late. I'll do it. The person that you love the most, you want to be the one to do, do that for them. Rather have someone else do it. Do you really have a, here my Lord, use me. I'll do it. I'll step up. I'll step up. Let me do it. Let me be the one. If you get that heart that says, I want to be the one. T.D. Jakes made a, made a splash big when Michael Irvin and Deion Sanders were at his church. Um, and it, it got played out wrong. And I'm glad that I've never been this kind of dude. I mean, I've, I've served under some people and had to pull away from some leaders that just got too extreme. See, I believe you ought to honor those who labor in word and doctrine because that's what the Bible says. You ought to be respectful of your preacher. That's what the Scripture teaches. You shouldn't gossip. You shouldn't listen to people talk bad about them, even if it's true. Because you ought to be believing the best for the people you care about. I mean, you don't let people, if, if, if your daughter's eyes are, are bugged out or too close together, got a big nose, it, that's the truth. You don't want to hear everybody talking about it, though. Because that's who you love. Okay, so I understand there ought to be a reverence. That's difficult for me because I'm just a normal guy. Um, and I've never been one of those. It's, it's funny. People are, are more likely to correct someone's behavior toward me than I am about myself. I had somebody one time, we had a new members class, and this one person um, kept saying, well, Scott, and they were using my name like 20 times a minute, and they kept calling me Scott. And I could tell it was bugging this one person off to the side. And Scott's been my name my whole life. I've never had a nickname. I've always been Scott. And so it, it wasn't freaking me out. And the person, I knew it was coming. And finally, the person that was in there helping assist said, could you please address him more politely and, and, and reverently than that? That's our pastor. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm okay. I appreciate you, but we're all, I'm Scott too. <laughs> okay, I've been Scott forever. Um, but I've never been that kind of demanding preacher. I, I get back to the T.D. Jakes story. T.D. Jakes got shown in a bad light because Michael Irvin and Deion Sanders revealed to some TMZ article, news grab, uh, that after every Sunday morning service, there's a really long hallway that goes down to Bishop Jakes' office. And they would have a foot race. And they would actually change shoes for this foot race. And they would race to the bishop's office because the first one to get there was the one that got to, was allowed to, take Bishop Jake's shoes off and change his socks and put dry socks and slippers on his feet. Now, people are like, oh, man, really? He can't change his own socks? Hey, let me tell you something. Now, me, me and Deacon Jimmy are the same size guy. He wears it better than I do, but we're the same size, we're the same weight, been that way for, for over a decade. Um, we go up and down. You know, between 2.05 and 2.30. You crossed over that 2.30, didn't you? 
one time, we never, he, he, we, we had never done it until a couple of months ago. He finally crossed over, uh, making me think about it. But how did you come into this picture? Oh, yeah, okay. Me, now, Dick and Jimmy can verify this for me because we've talked about this, and that's why he remembered it. When we're at 205, 206, which is really our base weight, that's the weight we, we, we come back to all the time. We're pretty good. When we get in that 220, 225 range, we joke about getting out of breath, bending over to tie shoes, right? Let, trust me. You get around two, you be my height and get around 225, 226, bending over tying your shoes ain't no joy. Now, Bishop Jakes is, is a little, is, is, is a short, fat dude, okay? Big guy. So you might be thinking, he can't tie his own shoes? It ain't as easy as it sounds, okay? <laughs> not, when, not when you got a belly out to here. How you, where, where you getting, where, how you reaching those shoes, okay? Because when my belly's out to here, it's a wrap. I wear loafers. I'm all done. I ain't tying shoes. But I've never been that guy. Nobody in this church has ever changed my socks, tied my shoes, taken my shoes off, fanned me, brought me towels, never picked up my laundry, never washed my car. Uh, uh, a lot of preachers are, are looking for that. We're not, okay? I'm, I'm a man just like you're a man. I understand the Bible says that you ought to, uh, you know, esteem the pastor higher, twice as high as everybody else because of the work that he does. But at the bottom line, we're all just here serving God. I ain't looking for nobody to tie my shoes or wash my car. Um, a lot of preachers have that. 20 members, 20-member church, five armor bearers. Somebody carrying the preacher's Bible in for to talk to three people. We, that, that's, that's not what we're looking for. I understand that there are people that do that, but, but Jake's got in trouble. They, they made a real bad spin on that because it hit, it hit the nation the way it hit y'all. They are having foot races to see who gets to pull off his wet, sweaty socks. And trust me, after you preach, your socks, your underwear, your back, it's all wet. Um, there's a release if you do it right. It's like when Jesus, when somebody touched Jesus, they said, what do you mean somebody touched you? There'd be people pressing on you for hours. We're in the middle of a crowd. He said, no, virtue went out of me. And, and when you release something uh, anointed, then there, there is a physical toll that it takes on your body, and you're sweating down to your socks. And people took that, and the media spun it as he thinks he's God with people bowing before him, changing his socks. When the reality was, Dion and Michael just loved Bishop Jakes, and they knew that it was hard for him after preaching and being tired to get those wet socks off his feet because he's fat. So they were just trying to do something nice for him, but it got all blown up and twisted because it doesn't sound like a custom that any of us partake in. They were just trying to show him love. And my point is this. They literally had a foot race every Sunday. Because they wanted to be the one to do it. They wanted to be the one to help their friend, their preacher, their pastor. They wanted to be the one to help their bishop. They wanted to be the one above everybody else who was allowed to do a task that most people would see as menial or beneath them. Now, trust me on this. I am never going to ask anybody in this room to help me get my socks off. Unless I'm dead out on my back. Dina can tell you. I came home from back surgery with her in my house, and my mom came in to take care of me, and I walked into my house and made myself a sandwich 
didn't even sit down, came in straight off back surgery. With them sitting there offering to do for me, I got this. Walked myself up the stairs, did my own laundry, drove myself and my children to church, back surgery on Tuesday, drove myself to church on Wednesday with my kids in the car, ripping stitches open because I thought I could handle driving slowly, but somebody stopped short of me and I had to slam on brakes and I, I gashed my back up. I'm not ever going to ask somebody to do something for me. When you come up to me and say, Pastor, what can I do for you? Um, I'm not really that delegatory. Pastor, do you need anything? You ever ask me if I need anything, you're going to get the same answer. I'm good. But go check with Dina because we got a lot of need. See, I'm not looking for somebody to serve me. I'm looking for people to serve the Lord. And you want to serve the Lord at Abundant Life, you need to get with the church administrator and find out where you can get plugged in. You need to start helping some of these deacons. You need to start praying with some of these deacons' wives. You need to start getting involved with some of these people who serve in ministry. They're up on the stage bringing honor to God, leading us in praise and worship. You need to find out how you can make Elder Robin's life better, what you can do for him. Come up here on a Thursday night and pray if you can't sing or play. But we got to get to a place where we are willing to say, I want to be the one. I want it to be me. Now, I'm not asking for foot races to come help me do anything. But we ought to all be racing toward God to help bring glory to his name. We ought to all be racing toward God to say, I want to do something. Because I've been around for a long time. I never imagined that I would be 53 years old. That's a long time to be living. Not to Ken. Ken's like, 53 is a baby. (laughs) I've had good times and bad times in my life. But I want to be the one that God uses to bring him glory. I don't want to live an entire life on this planet knowing that I didn't do what God called me to do. And if you love him, you will want to serve him. You will want to be the one. You will want to find a way to do something that honors him. And the good news for you is if you put him first and you live right, he's going to give you everything you need because he wants you to brag on him. He wants you to exalt him. He wants you to tell the world how good he is to you. And the more you brag on him, the more he'll give you to brag about. I want you to get serious about your spirituality. I want you to get serious about putting God first. It's not as hard as you think it is. You fall down, you get back up. You mess up, you ask God to forgive you, and you keep going. You read your Bible, you say your prayers, you do the best you can. You do it all over again tomorrow. And by and by, you'll get closer to where God wants you to be. And one day you'll wake up and you'll realize, I feel the spirit of the Lord in my life. And that's what God created us to be. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your goodness. Thank you for allowing us to be used by you. Use us, God. Use us in this community to spread your love. Help us, God, to put you first. 
Not just sometimes, but all the time. Help us to put you first every day. God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. And I pray that I bring you honor in 2017. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.